Hi, and welcome to On Mike with Jordan Rich. I meet a lot of interesting people in my travels, and as I've done on radio for decades, well, I'm doing it now with this podcast. I'm honored to introduce you to creative thinkers from many genres, people with something to say who might make us think about things in whole new ways. One such person is Christina Rasmussen. In her first book, Second Firsts, Christina, a grief educator, helped countless readers cope with and rebuild their lives after loss. She calls it her life reentry program. She's also wrestled with the existential and persistent question that most of us humans ponder. Where did our loved ones go? Where will we go after our physical bodies die? My guest today is not a psychic medium, and this is not about seances or other cliches. No, we're about to chat about some serious connections, whether or not they're genuine, and how it's worked for Christina. Her book is Where Did You Go? A life-changing journey to connections with those we've lost. Delightful to welcome you to my podcast, uh, Christina. You've had quite a journey yourself, and you're helping a lot of people. And we're going to certainly touch on the book, the new one, Where Did You Go? But let's talk a, a little bit further about you. I mentioned a few tidbits in the introduction, but it all starts with losing your mate at a very young age. Uh, talk a little bit about your late husband, if you will. And Jordan, I was just living my life, um, our life, and um, with two daughters. Um, and at the time of the diagnosis, um, we were living in uh, Concord, Massachusetts. And um, Isabel, my daughter, was nine months old, and Elena was two and a half years old. And we got a call from the doctor. Um, my husband was 31 years old, and I was 30. And we had a call from the doctor, and they said basically he had stage four colon cancer. And Jordan, our life literally changed forever in that moment in time. And they at the time gave him six months um, because he had spread. Um, and I would say that we it's, it was almost like we changed, like the life was gone. We, we died in our old lives uh, in that moment in time. And we started this journey of trying to save him. Um, uh, through Dana Farber, um, <laughs> weekly visits and traveling overseas for new drugs um, to do whatever we could. And he lived with the stage four cancer for three and a half years. Um, mm. He died at 35 in 2006. And then my journey began. One never gets over the loss of someone special. I, I too have suffered in my lifetime the loss of a mate. And luckily, and I think the same for you, we've yes. been able to move on finally and find others in our lives to uh, to love. But you never lose that connection. And speaking of connections, that's where we're at today. But before we get to the new book, which really yeah. takes a whole new turn in terms of the afterlife and how we perceive it, talk a little bit about life reentry, this program you started that's gone successfully now for many years. Talk about yeah. that and what impact that's had. Yeah. So, um, Jordan, my journey after, and, and just for people who don't know my work, I did my master's thesis on the stage of bereavement prior. I wanted to be a grief, uh, counselor prior to this tragedy. And, and I remember the time my professor in the UK would say, but Christina, you're such a happy person. Why would you want to study grief? You know? And I would say, but you know how, how can you love someone so much and lose them and, 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 and survive that loss? And I was perplexed by it even before it happened to me. And then when it happened to me, I realized that everything I knew about grief, mm. the stages of bereavement, all the things that I learned professionally could not help me at all mm. because they didn't speak about the new identity 
that came to take over my life, the new um, view of the world, the, the catastrophic um, element of what grief does to you and how it changes the direction of your life completely. And, and I discovered um, with my work afterwards a place between the life you leave behind after your loss and the life you could potentially have that I call the waiting room where millions and millions of people go, Jordan, and they wait for time to heal them, as we're told, and they wait for something, for a better day to come, and that day never comes, and they stay in that waiting space thinking that's their second life, and they die there. And my mission and vision in the world is to free as many people from that place in between as possible. Two things happen when death occurs around us. One, we mourn and pine for those we love. And two, we think about our own mortality and that sense of the end and what comes beyond the great mystery. So let's talk about where did you go, which is the question that so many people have. Where do souls go? I believe in soul and energy and all that. We'll get into the quantum mechanics part of your discussion here. But this is a follow-up to a previous book. Why this book now for you? Yeah. And so... And as I ushered all these people out of the waiting room and helped them create their new life, um, including myself, and I'm remarried and uh, live in California now, and and my girls are so grown. By the way, my girls are now 16 and and 19, so my daughter just turned 19, and life is so different. But there was one thing that remained. um, What happened? It was such a shocking experience to see him go. And to be here one moment and gone the next in the traditional version of what happens, um, which was, you know, we go to heaven and and this is what happens and we're all going to meet again, um, was not enough for me, mm. Jordan. I couldn't mm. buy that. Um, and I have received a lot of social media <laughs> messages on that a topic, and it's another conversation for us. Um, and, and I needed to find uh, evidence or facts or science. My first book, the second first book is um, is all about the brain and how the brain actually is in charge of your journey after loss. And we need to to help it find the way. Um, so I took all the brain science that I knew and I then learned a lot about consciousness and quantum mechanics and what is reality made of? What is this place that we're living in? What <laughs> we're hanging upside down, Jordan, in the middle of dark energy and matter. And 90% of that um, space, we don't know what it is. Mm. And and just starting from that place and starting from a place of what is reality is made, what it what reality is made of, took me on a path that was very unexpected. And I made a lot of discoveries for myself um, that I nearly didn't write about. Because I was, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy my career. (laughs) I'm going to take all the good work that I've done and, and shadow it with this, this new book. And, but, but it had to be written because of, of the experience and because of the freedom that I received from knowing this, from experiencing this, and from believing this. Well, Christina, and- it's it's interesting. <laughs> you said it could hurt your career. Actually, there are a lot of, I'm going to use my quotation fingers, a lot of psychic mediums out there who might be a little perturbed with you. And I'm being funny here for a reason, because this story and this research is a do-it-yourself guide to <laughs> go deep and connect and discover things about the extra planes that are out there, the the dimensions, which is really cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, you, don't, you shouldn't have to um, 
pay money to to connect to um, a, a reality outside of the third dimension, the the physical reality. Um, number one, and number two, it shouldn't be an indirect experience. Uh, and, and this came to me lately because. People ask me, are you a psychic? Are you a medium? And I said, even if I was, even if I had access to information about your loved one, you shouldn't come to me for that information. You mm-hmm. should go directly. I like I'm a third wheel. Like we should learn how to find our way to that truth and to that place for ourselves, for our own souls and consciousness and, and for what it means for our evolution. And and yeah, um and, and I'm not saying that uh, there are psychics and mediums out there that have that can access information about someone else's family and life, there are, and there are some good ones. But I do believe we are made, if they can do it, so can we. And you did it, and we'll talk about the process in a moment as we continue our chat with Christina Rasmussen of Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. Let's start with a very broad question, uh, one of the greatest questions that men and women have posed over centuries, and that is what happens to us when the physical body dies? What's going on? When we die, we die in someone else's reality, but not in ours. And there's a well-known physicist called Robert Lanza, and he talks about this. And he says, we lose someone from our reality, but in their reality, and Jordan, that when I, when I heard that and read that, uh, there's a book called Biocentrism and a follow-up book called Beyond Biocentrism by Robert Lanza. And by the way, I do all these interviews and I recommend all these books and people are like, why? <laughs> You're here to speak about your book, but my book would not be here if I hadn't done all this research by incredible books. Um, and he talks about that and he says that, you know, we die and and we only die in someone else's reality. Jordan, <laughs> so, think about that. Yeah, so the body, the body, as we know, the physical shell, if you will, ages and dies, hopefully in natural ways, if not otherwise. What I love is the connection to string theory. Believe me, I'm, I'm not going to profess my expertise in physics, but string theory suggests that there are vibrating different elemental strings in the universe, and we're on one of them, and we can be on another one or several of them, apparently. Isn't that amazing? And and Jordan, I have to tell you, now you can imagine my enthusiasm when a non, I'm a non-scientist, right? I I, I don't have a PhD in in, in physics or consciousness, which, you know, I'm thinking I might do just to learn more. But, um, But I am jumping into this content and this research and the discoveries. And I realize one very important thing. We have come so far in our discoveries but not far in our experiences. And I knew that if I was to write a book, I would have to write it in order to give the driver's seat to the reader. So here's the theory, here's this, here's what I think about death and dying and what happens when we do. And here's how you can access that information, have your own experience. Because ultimately, if my book is going to impact anyone, and if my book is going to be the true version of what reality is, the person has to experience what I'm uh, proposing and strengthening. I mean, we are vibrating strings of light. This is a hologram. Mm. <laughs> this is the, and we died. Our, our hologram is no longer here. So when, when my husband passed away, his projection of the hologram of himself in the third dimension went away. And, and I couldn't see him anymore in the way that I was, my brain trained me to see reality. 
And and I said to myself, and what if, what if he's still somewhere, but I can't see him because uh, because I'm in this version of reality, and and I and my brain is shutting down everything that is not, uh, you know, projected in a specific way. There's there's um, sounds that we can't hear, and there's light that we cannot see, and there's numbers on that. Like there's a very specific level of sound that we cannot hear and light that we cannot see with the naked eye. I always use the example being in the business of radio waves. We can't see them, and yet we know they exist. There's that, and I I believe you talk about the brain and the way we're built and nature's and God's preparation for us to survive is to shield us from many of these things. But you're talking about entering what you call, and I'll have you define it in a second, the temple world, to get closer. So let's talk about you and how it happened for you, uh, because you, you experienced it first, and you were able to connect connect with your husband's presence. Let's talk about that. And Jordan, I want to say someone said to me, a mentor of mine said to me, Christina, you know, after he, he had an early copy of the book and he said, please make sure when you have your interviews, you say to people that you don't actually talk to dead people the way, (laughs) the way the traditional mediums and psychics refer to talking to the dead. This is about receiving and transferring and giving information to consciousness of the person you lost, to their energy, to what they are without the body. And I remember one of my first times connecting with his name is Biana with Biana. He was from Denmark. Um, he, I saw him um, in, inside that temple journey. I call them temple journeys. And I saw him, you know, sitting at a, at a French cafe and from years and years ago, when he was still, you know, just before college, he went and spent a year in France. And maybe he must have told me at some point that he loved it there. But he was sitting at a French cafe and he saw me and I saw him. And the communication outside of this reality is very fast. So there are no words. There's no like sentences. And basically, I know what you want me to do is to bring the girls. That's what I got to bring the girls. And and I'm like, how am I going to bring the girls here? This is my journey. But in that split second, they were there in that journey, and we actually created a new memory. And and for me, Jordan, to say these words and, and, and to, to put such a staggering and important statement out there that we can actually make new memories with someone who's no longer here takes a little courage on my part. I, indeed. Little- <laughs> Again, the book is much more detailed than we'll have a chance to illustrate, but you're not talking about highly trained yogis here. You're talking about everyday folk who have jobs and pay their bills and are dealing with the questions that you had. And maybe uh, you have several in the book, an example of one of the individuals who's done this and you've helped work through this and how it changed his or her life. Anyone you'd like to take? Yeah, it's, I mean, there are so many stories. Um, and I would say a lot of people's journeys, some of them begin with spinning. And people ask me in the classes and in the groups, Christina, why am I spinning when I'm starting the journey? And it's it's interesting when when the when our consciousness lets go of of our body and our solid matter, and 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 when we um, what's the best way to say this? When we don't feel like we are with our body, there's no sound, there's no um, light coming through our eyes, and we let go of this experience, it feels like spinning. So. Um, a lot of people see their loved one uh, at first from a distance and um, and they feel they're communicating with them, but very fast. 
and this reality brings them back really quickly. So for many people, they go in, they look around, they see, and it's almost like the brain goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't be here. You can't go here. And it brings them back. And then they, they train their brain to, to let them stay longer and longer. They have conversations. Um, there are many people going to see a specific person. They see someone completely different. And that makes them very emotional. And they're shocked because this is not something they could have created mm. in their mind. Uh, I've had parents who see their children that, that have passed. Um, I've had someone who saw the son's uh, face right in front of them. Um, I mean, there are so many stories in what, and to answer the question, the part of the question says, how does it change them? I believe the most common thing is that they see their life from a very different place, that the people they loved, they have never lost, they just lost them in the way they used to be with them. It is, right, it is a different right. connection and a different relationship. And, and and I just want to yes. add one final thing is, um, Jordan, what the fascinating thing from, from my grief educator expertise place is that after the first connection happens, or the second, the third, then they want, then this journey becomes about their life. And they go deeper and deeper in that reality and they create and they think about how to change their own mm -hmm. life. It's almost like they're freed. There's certainly so much great research into transcendental meditation and all the techniques, and I believe wholeheartedly that our dreams are messages and all that. But here's what's interesting about your work. You want to provide for the skeptics out there something physical and tangible. So talk, if you will, about the objects that you tell people to hunt for. And this this was the one that really impressed me that, well, let's just put it this way. I'll let you tell the story, but it's really kind of cool. The objects. The objects. So, of course, Jordan, uh, I like to make things really hard for me <laughs> and I say to myself and I remember when I first did this in the pilot class in the because um, I did two classes before I wrote the book two study groups to test to test the work my hypothesis uh, even beyond me because that that's an important part of my work and um and I remember saying to myself I remember closing my eyes and say Christina if nobody finds their object it's okay you're gonna be okay it's just it's not real whatever you have created here is not real um but this is the object exercise. So people journey into the temple world. And I ask them, after they go deeper and deeper, to look around them there to find something. And here's the fascinating thing. A lot of people find objects that they never expected to see. So they would, they would, their mind could not have created it. And they're always very rare and very strange. One of my objects when I was doing the first study group was a yellow rubber ducky. And I talk about this in the book. And um, I came back and I said to the class, because I was doing the work with them, I said, I mine was a yellow rubber ducky. My kids are grown. There's no way I'm going to ever find it in this reality. So the, the exercise is to, to see that object in that field. And when you're back in, in the third uh, dimension here, to accidentally without looking for it, mm. find it here. <laughs> and when that happens, when that happens, yeah. Jordan, the brain believes. <laughs> right. Because we cannot have this journey unless the projection of the hologram filters through a belief that says the deeper reality is real. The invisible world is as real as this one, and they are connected. So um, yeah. I found my yellow rubber ducky and mm. everyone else found it in their world and their, in their experience. 
I'm actually looking at one. I have two of them here in my desk because they remind me of the magic of the world. And of course, the um, object exercises, I've had people write to me and tell me about so many of their experiences that I can, we can, we can get lost in that exercise, but it is fun. And, and I have to tell you one of the most extraordinary experiences that I've ever had. Because it, it's, mm. I saw in my temple journey just a couple of days ago, actually yesterday, I saw uh, a chandelier, a crystal chandelier. And Jordan, I, I'm like, oh, I've never seen a crystal chandelier in, in my temple uh, here. And I came home and my daughter said, Mommy, I am watching this movie and look at that crystal chandelier. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so, this just happened yesterday. And of I, course my I daughter love that. Yeah. knows about the journeys. And I said, oh, my God, Isabel, I... Oh my God! I can't believe this just happened. I, I have yeah. I have two more important questions for yes. you. One is a question of anyone's faith, spiritual belief, mm-hmm. mindset, thoughts about God, etc. I mean, this is something that there's so much science in this project of yours uh, related to the physical world and the the world of physics that one I, I'm going to assume doesn't need to have any particular perspective and can even be a non-believer. Let's talk about the religious, quote, spiritual connection, if any. Yeah. So um, I have received this question so many times. And I want to say, first of all, I was raised believing in a God. And in my version of um, source and divinity and God is is this version. Um, there is a higher intelligence behind math and behind uh, the ways in which the universe has been created that cannot be disputed. We actually all believe in the same thing, Jordan, but we come to it from a very different place. And it doesn't matter which place we come from. What matters is that we we have some faith and believe in something that um, I call it the, the first observer. There's something called the observer effect, which I talk about in my book. And in order for anything to exist um, as solid matter or the vibration, the faster vibration of the solid matter, um, there is an observer that has to see it first to make it real. Um, and there is no objective reality. It is only subjective. So the question will always be, there must have been an observer that observed this to reality. And that may mm. well be what well, we call God. Let me ask you the question about your late husband, because as you write early on, he was not a believer. He was sort of, he had the idea that death was the end, that there was no continuation of life, which had to depress him, but had to depress you as well to know that he was so forlorn about this being it. But then you've connected with him in this other plain, I'll call it. And has he come to his senses? <laughs> I don't mean to put it that way. Has he has he had a new revelation as far as you can tell? This is the first time I'm getting this question. I love it. Um, I'm smiling here. People, you can't see me, but um, it's interesting because one of my journeys, probably around a month ago, revealed to me that he he helped me write this book. And and it was interesting to me because I have to tell you this, Jordan, um, when we were married and we lived together and, and had our life, he, of course, he, he's such a mathematician. He was a, a genius child. I mean, he, he he had a genius mind and he read all the math behind the quantum mechanics and, the, and, and science and physics. And he understood this work much better than I ever did. And we had books everywhere from Penrose to Einstein, the math and everything. And he knew this. He could have written this book so much better than I did. 
so much better because he understood it. And at the time that he was here with me, I had no interest, really. I mean, I saw the books, but never. If you told me then that this would have happened now, I would have laughed. I would have said, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so so the, the message that I received from my journey, one journey, um, he said that um, that he was helping me from there. That was always the plan. And I have to tell you something extraordinary for everyone who's listening. I didn't realize until about a few weeks ago that the release date of my book, which was December 18th, by the way, for those who don't know, the author doesn't get to decide what day the book is released. <laughs> so I didn't get a say. The publisher says, HarperCollins said, you know, Christina, this is the, the day of the book that's going to be released. And all of a sudden it hit me because I had a journey that I met with. Um, and this is something I don't share very often. But our first child um, with, with my husband prior to, my, to our two daughters, she was born and, and, and died on the same day. Um, and that was December 18th, 20 years ago to the day of the release of the book. Oh, talk about serendipity. Wow. There's, so, there's got to be a message there. Well, my, I've got a similar story in that my granddaughter, who's now three and a half, almost four, was born on the date of my late wife's birthday. And it was not supposed to be that date. You know, the due date is the due date, and there's yeah. always give and take. But she she held on to be born three days beyond the due date to land on that birthday. I believe very chills. firmly that there's a strong connection there. I have chills you saying that yeah. because it is it is incredible. And these are the things that the brain cannot doubt. These are the things that help us evolve to right. see the world from a different lens. Well, I enjoyed speaking with you very much. And needless to say, the book is fascinating, Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost by Christina Rasmussen. And there's also uh, web connections. What's the best way to find out more about you and your work and the books, etc.? Yeah, so for this book, where did you go? Book.com for my for my own website, ChristinaRasmussen.com for the life reentry work, lifereentry.com, and for my first book, which is actually being re-released uh, in May, secondfirst.com. Um and Jordan, this has been amazing. I've enjoyed every second of it. Oh, I enjoyed meeting you, but also the topic is just so fascinating. And I've done literally dozens and dozens of interviews over my illustrious career with people from the worlds of physics to the mediumship. And uh, this is a whole new take and a whole new direction that's fascinating. Thank you so much. You're a lovely lady. And I, I wish for you uh, all kinds of happiness going forward. Thank you, Jordan, so much. This is Jordan thanking you for listening to On Mike with Jordan Rich, available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, Android. Appreciate you subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast if you get a chance. On Mike is produced at Chart Productions in Boston. Until next time, be well so you can do good. <laughs>